Yes, we always try and be ahead of the curve here. You recall just a few days ago, we were speaking about transgenderism and advertising in market segments and how they were appealing to such a small percentage of the population, a market segment that essentially doesn't exist. So why are they doing it if it wasn't for social messaging? And now we find that, again, transgenderism is in the news where a Tennessee law that required signage on bathrooms letting patrons know that people of any biological sex could use any restroom regardless of designation has been struck down by a U.S. federal judge in Tennessee on the grounds that it was prejudicial. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three easy ways. You can either go to the Google Play Store, the iTunes App Store, and simply search out The Jamie Dury Show and use your native podcast aggregator app to subscribe. Or you can download the free Podbean app. Podbean is our hosting service, and you can go there. And either way you subscribe, you'll be able to post reviews, leave comments, and we desperately want more reviews and more positive comments. The more we get, the greater the reach of the show will increase and the more we can offer you in the way of services, perhaps even a call-in line and a live show option, which we'd like to do some point in the future. But right now, back to this federal judge in Tennessee. U.S. District Judge Alita Trauger said there was no evidence provided in the court challenge for claims that there was a risk of sexual assault or rape and no reason to think the signs would address such an alleged issue. In her ruling, she wrote that there was no consensus issues of sex and gender and that state officials had no authority to wish away opposing viewpoints. That's a nice way to say we don't give a shit what the people say. But there is consensus on uh, gender in this country. The vast majority of people believe there are two genders. There are men and there are women. And I love that these uber leftists, the big champions of women's rights, uh, can't define what a woman is. How can you champion the rights for a particular segment of the population if you can't even define that segment of the population. It doesn't seem to make any sense. It's rather like these uh, pro-abortionists who want to favor, uh, quote-unquote, a woman's right to choose, but then they can't define what a woman is when they're asked to define a woman. So it makes no sense. And in this particular case, uh, there is evidence that there is a problem, that there is a risk. Uh, This law was passed by the Tennessee legislature last year, and it was sponsored by State Rep. Tim Rudd, and said it was needed to protect women and girls from possible sexual predators taking advantage of loose restroom policies. Now, months later, after the law was passed, in October of 2021, a Virginia father said that his daughter was raped in a school bathroom by a boy who considered himself bisexual and liked to wear dresses. Now, the father argued that while the boy was not technically transgender, kids are using loose restroom policies as an advantage to gain entry into bathrooms. Now, in the wake of incidents like this, and this is not an isolated incident, it's ludicrous for this district judge, Trauger, 
to say there's no evidence provided in the court challenge for claims that there is a risk. There is most certainly a risk. Someone who's a sexual predator and would love to gain access to a bathroom, what better way to get a woman or a girl in an environment where they can't escape? There's usually, and, and you'll know this, uh, despite fire laws, there's usually only one way into a bathroom and one way out of it. What better way? It's tailor-made for a sexual predator to try and claim transgenderism or uh, the ability to use any restroom they choose to gawk, uh, stare, or otherwise abuse uh, women and children. This is insane. And for this judge to say that there is no issue is absolutely ridiculous. When the law was signed into effect by Republican Governor Bill Lee, It was challenged with federal lawsuits by businesses arguing that signage would violate their First Amendment rights by compelling them to communicate language they find offensive. I don't really see what is offensive about the language. The language specifically says this facility maintains a policy of allowing the use of restrooms by either biological sex, regardless of the designation on the restroom. That's what people want, isn't it? Isn't that what these transgender people and all their advocates want? The ability to use whatever bathroom you wish to use, regardless of the sex of the person who's using it? Because after all, in their minds, there is no such thing as sex. It's all based on how you feel. Feel like a woman today, feel like a man tomorrow, feel like something else on Thursday. It doesn't really matter. So why all this offense? In her decision, the judge said the law would sow fear and misunderstanding about transgender Tennesseans. No, I don't think it sows fear and misunderstanding. I think most of us understand it pretty well. If you listened to my show the other day where I reiterated that very, very interesting and enlightening article by the former head of psychiatry of John Hopkins University, Dr. McHugh, you'll know that people who suffer these transgender tendencies are people with a mental disease. They have a body dysmorphic disorder. As Dr. McHugh correctly pointed out, not very much unlike the type of body dysmorphic disorder suffered by women with anorexia or bulimia that look into a mirror and see a fat girl, despite the fact that they're skin and bones and in danger of dying from malnutrition. They still, in their minds, look and feel fat, even though they're not. The difference here is that these people with transgender disorder or identity crisis uh, look into the mirror, despite them being a man, they see a woman. Or they look into the mirror, and despite being a woman, they see a man. Either way, it is a fool's errand to think we can correct this by surgery. We should not be encouraging it. Long-term studies, as I stated the other day, by Dr. Paul McHugh and John Hopkins University, which it should be worthwhile noting again, was the first medical institution in this country to perform sex change operations, which we now euphemistically refer to as gender reassignment surgery. And their long-term studies indicate that the suicide rate among those who have had the surgery is something on the order of 29 times as high as the suicide rate for the general population. And also, while the majority of the people who have the surgery say they are happy with the surgery and the outcome, none of them seem to be any more well-adjusted or happy with their lives in general, which accounts for the 
exorbitantly high suicide rate. So as Dr. McHugh concludes, amputating healthy body parts simply to achieve a result that is no better than the result that would have been achieved by people who went for therapy, which is exactly what the other groups uh, did, uh, simply does not justify the amputation of healthy body parts. So they've gone in the opposite direction and gone toward the direction of surgery. And it's interesting to note again that John Hopkins University, the pioneer in transgender uh, surgery, the sex change operations, no longer perform the surgery. So just to let you know, the left is never at rest. They're always out there lurking, trying to foist this or that upon you. One other little thing I wanted to hit today, I didn't have a lot of big things I wanted to hit today. That was an interesting one, given that I had just done the show on that a few days ago, is this whole green energy lie. Now, in my home state of New York, there's a bill that's bouncing around in the legislature where if they're successful, they're going to prevent anybody from having any kind of energy in their home other than electric energy, which if you live in New York City, you know that Con Edison is the sole supplier of electricity and they have the highest rates anywhere in the country. It would break the bank if you had to heat your home with electricity. As a matter of fact, when I was a young lad and I was in high school, I was working in the local neighborhood uh, drugstore. The owner, one of the partners, lived in Scarsdale, and his home was all electric. He used to wait and pray for the summertime because his bill to air condition certain rooms, like the bedrooms they were going to bed at night or the living room, was a lot less than the cost of heating his entire home by electricity. That's how bad it was. And that was back then. We're talking in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, He fortunately had one gas appliance coming into his house, a dryer. And because he had existing gas service, he was allowed to convert his house to gas heat. And so he made uh, a smart move that way. But that's what this electric energy was doing then. So the big lie with the green energy today is that it doesn't save money. It's actually four to six times more expensive. Now, this is a very interesting article. Uh, It's written by a man named Stephen Moore. He's a senior fellow at the Freedom Works and co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Now, listen to some of the pull quotes from this article. The president, and I'll paraphrase some of them just in the interest of expediency. President Biden keeps claiming that wind and solar energy are going to save money for consumers. He's not the only one that claims that. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez says the same thing, but she's just as wrong. But more government subsidies to, quote, renewable energy is a key feature of the White House anti-inflation strategy recently announced. Biden probably got the idea from John Kerry, the administration's climate czar, who recently claimed, quote, that solar and wind are less expensive than coal, oil, or gas. Now, Pete Buttigieg, the the transportation secretary, makes the same claim, saying that thousands of dollars that motorists can save if they buy electric cars, and this is complete garbage. Proponents of green energy are masters at playing with numbers. And there's an old Jewish saying, figures don't lie, but liars figure. The reason they do this is because the only way that wind and solar uh, energy uh, generation make any sense. 
the advocates, the proponents of this, love to focus on the supposedly low operating cost of wind and solar since they don't require constant purchases of fuel. But they ignore certain other costs associated with these energy sources. uh, One, for uh, example, is relatively short lifespan of the components required to produce wind and solar energy, as well as the extremely high initial investment in the technology. By ignoring the short lifespan of the components and the initial high investment, it can make it appear that solar and wind operate at lower cost than fossil fuels or nuclear power. But that's not true. The cost isn't just what you pay at the retail level for gas or power. It includes the taxes you pay to subsidize this power. I've said for many, many years, and others have said it as well, in order for an energy substitute to be realistic and viable, it has to be economically viable, meaning it has to be able to succeed without government subsidies. Any energy alternative that requires government subsidies to succeed is by definition not going to work. Now, we do give some subsidies to oil companies, but that's to stimulate new uh, oil production and new uh, exploration of energy. But even absent government subsidies, there's no question that the oil and natural gas industry in this country would be extremely profitable. You took government subsidies away from the uh, green energy, it would not be successful at all. People would not be able to pay the cost of a new Tesla or a new Chevy Volt. They only buy these things because they're being subsidized by the government. They also don't tell you about the long-term costs associated with disposal of some of these components, the danger to the environment of disposing of the batteries, the fact that these batteries in the Tesla only last about 50,000 miles. Buy yourself a regular combustion engine made by Honda or Toyota. You'll probably run that car up to 300,000 miles on the original engine. Do you have any idea what the cost of a new new battery is for these cars? Something on the order of $10,000 or more after 50,000 miles. I'd have to buck up that money in about three and a half years at the the rate I drive, maybe even less. It's incredible that anybody could believe that. If you consider the taxes you pay to subsidize the power, a 2017 study by the Department of Energy found that for every dollar of government subsidy per BTU unit of energy produced from fossil fuels, wind and solar get at least $10. Ten times the subsidy. That is anything but a money saver. And the reason the subsidies are so high is that solar and wind have additional costs compared to the conventional sources. Green energy sources are not dispatchable, which means their output can't be changed to match demand. The wind can't blow any harder. The sun can't shine any brighter just because people are using more electricity. Fossil fuel entities, however, such as a coal plant, can ramp up generation when we need it most and ramp down when energy falls. Ditto for natural gas. Ditto for nuclear energy. And just so you know, when they talk about clean coal technology, what they're understanding, they're not just burning coal like you burned in your old barbecues years ago making a lot of smoke. What happens is the coal gets pulverized into a very, very fine powder, which would normally under household furnaces, coal stoves and stuff, extremely unsafe to burn because it would burn so quickly and so abruptly. But in the controlled environment of a power plant, it actually becomes very efficient because the mist 
is so fine, the coal burns extremely cleanly, almost like a gas. So it's much cleaner than just burning clumps of, of coal like people use in coal fireplaces or coal stoves to heat their homes. So widespread use of solar and wind would require batteries on a large scale that are extremely expensive to ensure that people would have adequate power uh, when the wind drops or when the sun is not shining at its full intensity. So there's a lot more to these things uh, than they would have you believe. So whereas solar, whereas uh, rather fossil fuels, natural gas, coal, uh, nuclear energy are extremely reliable and not dependent on natural phenomenon to be occurring, wind blowing, sun shining, to meet energy needs 24 hours a day because the wind blows different during the day than it does at night. Usually the wind abates at night. You don't have the same thermals that exist. And the sun definitely doesn't shine at night. Uh, so these things are not as efficient. You have to have some way of storage. And battery storage is not cheap. And the batteries, as I just said, don't last forever. They add to both the initial expense and the long-term maintenance costs over the course of the life of a solar or wind energy alternative. And you see that now with these uh, electric cars. Sticker prices for electric cars, much higher than they are for conventional gas cars, even though they're being subsidized. And the so-called savings over time uh, makes the supposition that the electric power for recharging is free. But it isn't free. And costs now for power are rising just about as fast as gas prices, thanks to the idiot in the White House who's cut off most of our domestic production. Now, these are inconvenient truths. I'll use a, a um, Al Gore term that all these green people don't tell you about when they try and sell you on this green nonsense. So if you, according to this paragraph here in the article, to genuinely evaluate dissimilar energy sources and provide an apples to Apple's comparison, not apples to oranges. The U.S. Energy Information Administration uses the levelized cost of energy and the levelized cost of storage. These measures consider the initial costs, the lifespan of generation, and the storage systems, maintenance, fuel costs, decommissioning expenses, subsidies, etc., and compare that to how much electricity is produced over a power plant's lifetime. The numbers don't lie. Green energy is a complete waste of resources. The levelized cost of energy and the levelized cost of storage for solar and onshore wind farms, uh, wind farms are four times as expensive as those for natural gas. Offshore wind takes the cake. It's six times as expensive as natural gas, according to the article. So imagine paying four to six times as much every month for the same amount of electricity, because that's exactly the world you'd be living in if these green lunatics got their way. It's even worse than that, because electric power greatly affects the cost of producing nearly everything else. So the cost of electric power affects everything else. In the case of producing, let's say, aluminum, a third of the total production cost is electricity alone. Imagine what the cost of aluminum would be if we had to rely on these alternative energy sources to produce it. Do you know how much aluminum is used in, our, in cars, for instance, and other uh, 
products that we use every day. Aluminum is a very, very functional metal. It doesn't corrode. It's light, strong. Quadrupling electricity prices would have a rippling effect throughout the economy of all goods and services that people buy. And if you think this inflation nonsense you've got now with 8%, and that's being bullshitted down, it's much higher than that. Where do you see what inflation would be if you had to get all your electricity from wind and solar? You would think what people are suffering out in California would be enough. They try to go the whole route for wind and solar. They have so many brownouts out there, they can't even believe it because they can't meet the demand. Don't forget, fully 10% of the country's population lives in California. And they're sucking down energy like you wouldn't believe. And yet, despite all of this, the government continues to tout this nonsense. And while all this is going on, when we could be making our own energy that's readily available with technology that's currently viable and economically viable, we're being crushed. We're being crushed by gas that's over $4 a gallon in some places in California, 7 We're being pushed and crushed by diesel prices on an average that are over five. Here in New York, diesel is now six seventy-five a gallon. And the Wall Street Journal is predicting that electric power blackouts could be coming because of over-reliance on wind and solar energy. And we already know the reason why over-reliance on those energy sources can cause that problem. At some point, if we continue this fool's road down to green energy, the entire nation will begin to look like the California I just mentioned, where the lights go out all the time, electric cars are stranded on the road because nobody can charge them, and gas is 6 $7 a gallon in perpetuity. If that's what you want, well, you got the right people in office. If it's not what you want, it's time to start reevaluating your choices in life. Maybe you should read a little more about economics. Maybe you should read a little more about the Republican Party and what conservatism has to offer for you. Because what the Democrats have to offer for you is what you're seeing right now. If you're happy with it, continue to vote for it. If not, there's a better way. For The Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury.